welcome to More Than Tracy Turnblad, the podcast about fat representation in the arts. I am Abby Rose Morris, and today I'm interviewing Catherine Scarborough, who is the creator and star of the new web series, Big Girl. If you are listening the day this episode comes out, the first episode of Big Girl also drops today, so you'll definitely want to check that out after you listen to this interview. So a couple days ago, I made a TikTok explaining why fat girls in educational theater are often cast as moms. And I wanted to dig a little more into that here. So basically, the way that I explained it in the TikTok was there are three main archetypes that women in the musical theater canon fall into. And this also applies to theater itself, uh, and it applies to film and TV as well. Theater just came first, so it kind of invented these archetypes. And those three archetypes are the virgin, the whore, and the mother. So the virgin is like the ingenue. She's like sweet, innocent, pure, and she is designed to be attractive to men. Uh, But she has no sexual agency of her own. You know, perhaps that is why she's so attractive to men. But that's another discussion. Ingenues are like Lori in Oklahoma, Sarah Brown in Guys and Dolls, uh, Hope Harcourt and Anything Goes, that kind of thing. Then you have the whore, <laughs> which is like the soubrette, if you uh, use that terminology. So the whore has sexual agency. She's unashamed of her sexuality. And that's usually what makes her the comic relief. So with that, you get like Ado Annie, you get Reno Sweeney, uh, Adelaide and Guys and Dolls. I'm using the same three musicals, but whatever. And then you have the mom, and that one's pretty self-explanatory. In the mother camp is also grandmother, aunt, older lady. You get my drift. So the mom is the only one of these three archetypes who is desexualized and is not supposed to be sexually attractive to anyone. Therefore, this is where the fat girls, already deemed undesirable, get put. And I mean, it is pretty ironic that mothers are desexualized because, you know, they're the only ones who have definitely had sex. But I digress. So all three of those archetypes are defined by what they are offering the men in the story and just the patriarchy at large. So the ingenue offers romance, the whore offers sex, the mother offers nurturing. And this is a really gross implication to it because when you are fat and you are not considered sexually attractive or romantically desirable, then the only thing that you can offer to men, to the patriarchy, and to the arts by extension as a performer is nurturing. And because we see fat women as mothers so much, fatness just kind of becomes something we just associate with motherhood. So that's where you get this whole issue with fat women being expected to do a ton of emotional labor for their friends. It's it's a very bizarre thing that because of these tropes and this desirability factor, that's where you get the idea that a 14-year-old fat girl is more believable playing a 60-year-old woman than she is playing someone her age who happens to fall in love. It is such an insidious male gaze thing. And I don't think I ever would have noticed it had I not been looking so hard for roles I could play in literally middle school. Like, I just wanted to take all these roles to my director and be like, here's this show that has a role I could play. But all the roles I wanted to play were were whores. And I was fat, so I knew I was going to get the mom no matter what I did. So it's a really icky thing to think that we are defined and employed or not employed by how we are viewed through this like patriarchal lens and how we are viewed as these objects that can be of use or not of use. And this is definitely a big, big generalization. Of course, you have lots of shows where it's not this clear cut. Maybe you'll have two whores. Maybe you'll have no mom, but you'll have a virgin and a whore. Maybe maybe there are actually well-written female characters who are dimensional and interesting and aren't just this box trope or even if they are the box trope there can still be layers within that there can still be deconstruction of that that absolutely exists but there is truth I think to saying that women are in stories to serve men a lot of the time and especially a lot of the time 
in traditional theater. And this is also particularly insidious because a lot of us grow up doing theater and that's how we get started in entertainment and that's where we have our exposures to these sorts of tropes and where we encounter this question of where do I fit into them for the first time really. I don't know that I would have questioned all of these things and all the ways that fat people are represented in media had I not been trying to be a performer, I still am, but at a very young age. And every representation was hyper important to me because I really, really, really wanted to be a performer. And like every little thing was like make or break. You know what I mean? So I would be like, if there's a role I can play in this, that's one more role that I could potentially play so I can keep doing this as long as possible so I can be an actor, which is what I always wanted to be. And that's a really exhausting way to live. And I don't live that way anymore. But when you're a kid and you're just like desperately searching for the validation that like one, this is a career you could do. And also two, that like this is there's a place for you in this world. Uh, that's really harmful. And I still struggle all the time with like knowing that I as a fat person am not of as much value in our patriarchal society. So honestly, I am on a big feminist theater size diversity kick. So we are going to continue this for this episode. And next week, we're going to talk more about it with our next guest. Uh, but now it's time for my interview with Katherine Scarborough, creator and star of Big Girl. So hi, Catherine. Hi. Thank you so, so much for having me today. Of course. So if you guys are listening to this on March 29th, that's the day <laughs> that Big Girl drops. So right off before we even get into anything else, Catherine, tell everyone how they can find it. Um, hi, everyone. You can find my web series, Big Girl, on a site called Sika TV. Um, and that's March 29th. And the pilot drops March 29th. And then subsequent uh, subsequent episodes every Monday after that. Amazing. I have already seen it all. So I'll try not to spoil people on the podcast. <laughs> so let's talk about your life and your journey. How did you get started with acting and writing? Um, I mean, since I was a kid... I knew that I wanted to be an actress for sure. I mean, since I was little, little, I, you know, my parents sent me to little classes and I, um, that was always the goal. Um, yeah. And I studied theater. Um, I went to undergrad at UMass Amherst and studied theater there. Um, yeah, UMass is great and they have a great theater department. Um, very supportive of their alumni. Um, so yeah, so I went to UMass for undergrad and then, um, I studied in Russia with the Moscow Art Theater. Actually, I studied with them in Cambridge, Cambridge, and then went mm -hmm. to Russia for a winter, studied there. Um, I'm from Florida originally. And so I went home, saved a little money and mm -hmm. then came up to New York in 2008. Um, and I ended up getting my MFA at the new school for drama. Um, and I've been doing the hustle ever since, um, writing wise, I, I realized that I enjoyed writing my own work because I got an artist residency right out of graduate school with, um, with Mabu Mines, which is an experimental theater company, um, in the city. Joanne Acolytus was my mentor, <laughs> um, and I wrote my own show, learned how to produce it myself. I ended up working on it for several years. I put it up at the Brick in Williamsburg at residency at the Brick. Um, but through that process, I realized, oh, I really like writing my own material. Um, and, you know, I was working as an actor in the city, getting jobs here and there. And I decided to start writing my own plays and then was studying improv at the pit. You only being a performer, you have to take classes all over the place. That's always, but anyway, I was studying improv at the pit and I met my um, 
uh, I met Elaine, who is one of my producers, who ended up being one of my producers on Big Girl. We just really liked each other. We were taking Improv 101. Um, I met her business partner, um, Alyssa, who's now also my producing partner. And they filmed a reading of a play that I wrote. And afterwards, we were having a drink. And they were like, oh, you know, we wonder, is this a film? And so that's really the, uh, that was sort of the, the birth of the idea of Big Girl and doing, we thought, oh, let's do a web series first. It'll be just little and easy, mm-hmm. which is like, no, it turned into this whole yeah. wonderful monster, <laughs> way bigger than that we thought it was going to be. And so, yeah, that's sort of, that's, I guess, the condensed version of the trajectory of my career. Yeah. So will you give us like the thesis of Big Girl and like the log line? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Big girl, I, well, so first of all, as a performer and a writer, I wanted to create a character who didn't loathe herself. Um, A character who had already done the work of learning to love her body and, um, and took no shit. Um, The, Big people uh, in media, the the trope, the common trope is the sad fat lady who, mm-hmm. you know, goes, meets her boyfriend at an, an Overeaters Anonymous meeting and cries on a scale <laughs> and, like, you know, struggles with her, you know, relationships and feels unlovable. And I, I, we don't, we've seen that enough, I think. Yeah. Um, and that, that's not to say that that isn't true to, you know, the human experience, but I wanted to create a character who was kicking ass and taking names and taking no shit about her size. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, that's how I ended up, right? That's the impetus for Big Girl. Um, and I also just wanted to write a cool character for myself to play that was um, not self-loathing. Yeah. So how has fat phobia and maybe some of those tropes, like how have they showed up for you in your work as an actor? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a kid, even doing um, little plays at school and stuff, you always got cast as the grandma or Mm -hmm. principal or the adult because I guess being chubby equals age. I don't know. But, you know, I I will never forget. Oh, my gosh. In high school, um, my senior year of high school, I the the class, my senior class put on a production of Grease like we as a collective did and listen i am rizzo (laughs) i can (laughs) sing those songs i can belt i am rizzo and then i ended up getting cast as the principal because it was i was told i was the only i was the only actor who could believably play that character you know i'm 17 years old being told this you know what i mean um and then i mean it's just everywhere you know as an actor I think for anybody who's an actor, whatever your physical thing is, you get pigeonholed, you know, you get typecast. And if you're big, you play characters who are way older than you. Um, You play characters that are demeaning, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, out of grad school. If I had an audition where I was reading for an under five for a character whose whole name was Chubby Girl. Oh and the whole scene was about her, like, wanting someone to give her a hot dog. I mean, it's, you know, stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you don't get seen for leads and you don't get seen for, I mean, I've always wanted to play, like, a Shakespeare female lead. And they're just, yeah. those don't exist, you know? Um, well, not that they don't exist, but they don't seem to exist for larger bodied people, you know? Right. Because they're not explicitly into any of those tropes because, right. you know, those tropes back then didn't exist as much. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, fat phobia in my acting life. Let's see. What else can I say? <laughs> um, <laughs> training is definitely hard when you're in a bigger body. Oh, yeah. Um, Tell me more. <sighs> yeah. I mean, if I heard I by the end of graduate school, if I heard... Um, be in your body one more time I I had my body what are you talking about That's what I, I got that all the time too and I've talked with a couple other friends and guests about it and the kind of conclusion that we came to was like for us it was kind of a manifestation of like 
not wanting to have our bodies be seen and like wanting to be seen for the work we were doing, not for our bodies. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. What is that to you? Like being told to be in your body and getting that feedback over and over. Like how did you deal with it and where do you think it comes from? Well, you know, it's interesting because I feel like it is a snake eating its own tail. Um, You know, getting up in front of a classroom of people or getting on stage in front of an audience of people, there is an immediate, I mean, being an actor, the training of being an actor is getting past that self-consciousness of, oh God, all of these people are watching me, right? Yeah. But in a classroom setting, if you get up there and your teacher is hammering hammering at you because you're in some way hiding physically because you feel Mm -hmm. self-conscious... Oftentimes, I think it makes it worse, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because then you're like, I have to get in my body. How do I do that? And then you just get more in your head about it. Right. Exactly. And it just became meaningless after a while. I mean, I did have a few. I had had a few professors who were actually pretty helpful and effective. I, you know, Casey Biggs, my Shakespeare teacher, God love him. He used to just say, he used to yell at me, stop hiding. You're a beautiful woman. And then that would be the end of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I, I had a teacher, a professor, Kathy Rossiter, who was my very first acting teacher in graduate school, um, who was hard on me about self-consciousness, but I don't know. She handled it in a way that I felt like, and I can't even, it's so many years ago, I couldn't tell you exactly how, but she handled it in a way that I felt more empowered you yeah. know, rather than um, uh, scrutinized, but they were the, they were the few because, you know, for the most part, it's like, okay, we have to get you in your body, crawl all over the floor like a cat or, you know, whatever, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever which just would make it worse for me. So um, that was really, you know, that was tough. I definitely came out of grad school way more self-conscious than when I yeah. first went in as an actor. How did you end up getting to the place you are now? Do you know, it's funny. (laughs) Um, Of all things, it was plus size Instagram models. Of course. (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It was towards the end of graduate school. And I was um, looking, I think I was clothes shopping. And I saw a photo of Tess Holiday back when she called herself Tess Munster. Mm. and um she was modeling some dress and I just looked at her and I thought oh my god she's sort of like wow she's really a person of size and so then I ended up looking her up and then I found Jess Baker I love her oh my gosh so much and it was it and do you know it was a gent very gentle for me because I think when you are reevaluating your values and paradigms and stuff it can be scary and I was a little resistant to the body positivity movement at first only because I felt like I needed to lose weight and there was something wrong with me. Um, And so I felt self-conscious reading this fat activism, Mm -hmm. right? But the more I familiarized myself with it and the more I exposed myself to it, I mean, it really, I, I do not say this lightly. It saved my life. I think. Yeah. Um, it really changed my worldview and my view of myself, my view of myself as an actor and the kind of work I wanted to do. Oh yeah. You know, um, I will never make a weight loss commercial. I will never, you know, play or audition for a character that's demeaning. I will no longer accept being the butt of a joke, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, but it's just funny to me that it was the fashion industry of all things. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know? But, like, that's what is kind of kind of gotten the mainstream first. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I personally have many gripes with body positivity. And um, we could talk all day about sort of the appropriation of the movement by thin white women. Oh, God. Um, and even <sighs> as, like, someone who's on the smaller side of fat, like, I feel excluded from that movement sometimes. Yeah. But... Fat reading fat activism articles, books, etc. absolutely changed my life too. And I was still dieting when I was doing that. And I was like mm-hmm. reading these like kind of radical fat politics while I was like doing super extreme <laughs> diets. Um and a big piece of it 
for me personally was like reading about like the kind of anti-diet movement, intuitive eating. Yes. Um, the book, The Fuck It Diet, totally changed my life. And the reason I sought it out was because I was like, I'm never going to accept myself in the body I have if I keep trying to change it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I this is a tough thing to talk about on publicly, period, because everyone's got their health standards that they need you to measure up to to be a full human. Right. But basically, that was something that I felt like I had to do in right. order to. And, like, of course, that wasn't to say, like, oh, I'm going to eat tons of food, whatever. Like, I hate that I have to add that caveat, but I feel like I do. I know. Yeah. It's it's so frustrating to feel like we have to justify everything all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, It might. It's so <clears throat> funny that you bring up um, anti-diet stuff while we were campaigning, while we uh, we crowdfunded to put together Big Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we were crowdfunding, we ended up reaching out to and connecting with Christy Harrison. Oh, that's amazing. And we have an interview with her. We have a video, a few videos. They're <gasps> on the Big Girl Facebook um, if you just, I mean, it's from years, a couple of years ago, but you can find them. And she's, I even, you know, at the point that I had, like, I had written big girl, we were producing it, you know, I'm body positive and, and all of this sitting down with her face to face and having a registered dietitian and a um, public health expert tell me mm-hmm. that you are fine just as you are. I cannot begin to express how meaningful that was for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I come from a family in the healthcare industry. My dad is was a physician and my mom was a nurse. And growing up in a family that worked in the healthcare industry as a big kid was real tough. I'm sure. And that messaging, that messaging was very uh persistent and strong. Um yeah. my my whole childhood, adolescence. And so Christie's work, I just am so, so grateful to her. It's she's she has also changed my life. I mean, oh, yeah, that... for sure. The fuck it diet is the one I read that like completely shifted everything. If you're yeah. listening to this, go read those books and listen to those podcasts. Like, yeah, if this is a struggle for you, just, you know, entertain it for a minute. Like, I know it's really hard to let go of of diets and, and weight loss, but try it. <laughs> yeah, just for like a week. Yeah. Just try not dieting for seven days. Well, <laughs> see see how that feels. <laughs> Mine was like I would go in and out and I would like always be planning the next diet. Mm. Um, so I had to like sort of shift the paradigm on that and like start thinking of it as like there is no restriction coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I did Weight Watchers for a really long time. And, it, you know, the minute you stop, you put on all of the weight plus more back. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they don't work, but we can, we don't need to get into the science of all of it, but yeah, it's been quite a healing journey, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, it's tricky with the science. There's that like need to justify everything again. Right. But mm-hmm. I think that the more important thing to talk about is people deserve respect and representation, no matter what their health is, no matter what their habits are. Absolutely. And there are just so many factors to health that we don't really even know about like mm-hmm. a lot of research is inconclusive a lot of research is funded by corporations that have a stake in it a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of this stuff is kind of like deeply entwined with like corporate corruption and the capitalism and racism food. oh yeah and um to completely take that out of the conversation is so ignorant i, I feel yeah absolutely yeah um it's very very american to to put all the all the all of it on personal responsibility Mm -hmm. and I actually think that big girl does a really great job of addressing all of this uh diet stuff in a kind of a casual way thank you yeah um which I think that shrill also kind of does but Mm -hmm. other than that there's very little concrete representation of that i do actually think the queen latifah movie last holiday has a little bit of that in it where it's like she stops <laughs> dieting and starts living her life <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true that is true i haven't thought about that i love queen latifah let's talk about more of what you've experienced in your career do you have a horror story that people in smaller bodies might be shocked to hear yes absolutely um 
<clears throat> I tell this story a lot, actually. Um, I was in graduate school and um, we had to take stage combat in grad school. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the teacher, uh, he, he couldn't be there for six weeks. He had his assistants teaching us. And then he shows up six weeks into the semester, which is like half a semester, you know. Mm-hmm. He shows up one day in class and he looks around the room and he says very loudly, all of the women in this room are too fat. And then he looked at me and he points at me and he goes, except for you. Whoa. He goes, you're a character actress. So you're going to play the characters and the nurses. And the, so you just need to maintain the shape that you're in. Wow. And it was, I just felt all, I felt my soul leave my body. Oh I my could God. not. It was, you know, he totally, it's and what was so insidious about it is that he couched it as a compliment, right? Or as a, it was supposed to be positive, I guess. <laughs> you know who you are, maybe? Like, he, I don't know. Or like, you don't need to lose weight because you, you know, but I was so singled out. And then I think I only had one classmate maybe two that was sympathetic to how horrified and awful I felt about that. And it was, uh, you know, my class, the looks I got all day long, you know, I had to go to the bathroom and cry. And then everybody, you know, when you're in an environment like that, everyone's on top of each other for like 15 to 17 hours a day. So they see your red eyes and then everyone was, I mean, it was absolutely mortifying and I, you know, I went to administration. I still had to finish the class. I wasn't allowed oh. to, you know, find something else. I had to stay in the class. Um, <clears throat> I did, again, those two professors that I mentioned earlier, they were the two that stood up for me, mm-hmm. um, which I really appreciated. Uh, they really had my back um, in that moment. But being singled out in that way as a fat person is so it's like your worst nightmare yeah. you know because you're already as a big woman or as a big person in in the world you know that all all eyes are on you for sure and i think that there is an attempt maybe as a big person sometimes to want to um deny that or not make yourself invisible but sort of protect yourself (laughs) yes i completely identify with that do you know protect yourself from it's like you've got your armor and okay motherfuckers you might be staring at me and you know internally laughing but this guy just it was like what he did made it right in front of everybody's faces and apparent like fatty fat fat fatty right here here's fatty everybody do you know and it just Oh my, and it had such an effect on me. I mean, I had such a hard time. It was, and I was so angry at my class for not, you know, because all the women, and, you know, understandably the women were, were upset that they were all called too fat because being fat, of course, is the worst thing to be. On the <laughs> right. Um, but then to have them feel that and then have no sympathy for you. Yeah. Is like really, really says a lot about their character, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really, I think that's why it had such an emotional impact on me too, is that I just Mm -hmm. felt totally unsupported by my, I think I got an email from, yeah, I did my, my little buddy, Simon, I got an email from him telling me not to let the bastards get me down. And he was really sweet about it. But otherwise I was not, my class did not have my back. Um, Yeah. It had a huge impact on me for sure. Damn. That's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I had to, you, you gotta be, I had to toughen up. You have to toughen up a lot as a big person, you know? Yeah. And I think that wanting to be invisible is something I definitely identify with. And I want to talk about that as it relates to just being a performer. So like, how do you think being in a profession where you are seen has affected your experience as a plus size person? You know, up until I really hit the fat activism ground running Mm -hmm. there was always the thought in my mind eventually I will lose the weight and be Mm -hmm. able to do the things I really want to do right and I feel like you know Abby I'm a little bit older than you 
(laughs) (laughs) And I think until I found body positivity, I I feel sort of like I've had a late start um, in really tapping into my ambition. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, Um, definitely. I... I mean, I even feel that and I'm like in my mid 20s. Yeah, yeah. It's it. And, you know, it's funny because it was it was like an internal battle all the time because clearly clearly the ambition was always there Mm -hmm. um, because I have always been pursuing this and and um, striving. Right. But there was always a caveat. And I would there was a lot of self-sabotage, I think, early on. Yeah. In my early 20s. Definitely. Um, Can you go into that a bit more? Sure. Just, uh, you know, being a little too afraid to really go for it. I mean, I remember when I, when I was applying to colleges, I I was too afraid to apply to NYU. And um, I even went to Chicago to see some schools and I looked at DePaul and I was too afraid to audition. And so I picked, and listen, UMass has a wonderful theater program, but they're not an auditioned school. Right. You can just apply and be a theater major. And I was afraid to audition for theater programs. And clearly, I mean, I got into, you know, the MFA program. I'm, yeah. you know, but I, yeah, I was too afraid to really go to, really go for it with a conservatory um, for a BFA. Mm-hmm. Uh, after college, before I um, uh, moved to New York, I moved home. I back to Florida, which is like, oh God, Flor- Florida is just as horrible as an, and insane as everyone says it is. It's crazy, <laughs> but it really is. It's a swamp yeah. land of nuts. Um, but I went <laughs> home to Florida to quote unquote save money and get my head on straight. It, you know, I was making excuses, but I was retreating home because I was scared. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, I think being fearless um, is a learned thing. <laughs> and truly, it wasn't, it wasn't until body positivity that I really feel like I hit the ground running and found my voice and my point of view as a performer um, and as a creative. Yeah, I think that says a ton about what shows like Big Girl and like any fat representation we see that isn't that like sad fat girl or, you know, butt yeah. of the joke, ugly friend, like all that stuff. Um, like it's so powerful. And we as creatives have like an incredible opening to put that in more people's consciousness and change minds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it meant so much to me, Abby, when you emailed me and said that you felt so seen after watching Big Girl. Absolutely. That is abs- that's 100% why I made the show and why I wanted to make the show. You know, yeah. if a girl, if a chubby girl can watch that show and <laughs> think, you know, oh, okay, you, you know, um, that means the world to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, yeah. Yeah, it's representation is so important. Seeing a version of yourself that you relate to that isn't in some way uh, vile or 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 sad or negative in some way is, I think, so meaningful um, and so important. Yeah, I completely agree. So that brings us well into the next section. <laughs> so let's talk about representations that have had a big impact on you positive or negative we already did talk a little about Tess Holiday and Queen Latifah but I'm curious about like from childhood what were you taught about fatness through the media you were consuming well you know as a child um because I knew you were going to ask this question and I've been <laughs> thinking about this and it's funny I don't know if I had I guess Miss Piggy Miss Piggy that's was a great big. one yeah, Miss Piggy yeah. was big. I love her. I've always loved Miss Piggy. And she's so, like, you know, she's strong. She, like, mm-hmm. beats people up on Kermit's behalf. And mm-hmm. she's confident. And, yeah, Miss Piggy was a really good positive. <laughs> yeah, she's also, like, fabulously fashionable. Yes. That was a big one for me. Yeah, she's very beautiful. And she loves doing her hair. And Yeah, yeah. and she's also, like, 
this is going to sound funny as a positive representation, but she's like narcissistic. And that, yeah. Um, I mean, I was like an attention slut as a child. I was like, everybody pay attention Ew. to me. I am an actress. Play, I want to wear my pink tutu. Like, yeah. I, was, I, I had that kind of personality. So, um, seeing yeah. this piggy like made me feel like that was still available to me as a fat person. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, even absolutely. though I probably wasn't even that fat at the time, but yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Same. Um, and then another actress who really had a huge impact on me, and I cry sometimes thinking about how much I love her, is mm-hmm. Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. I, seeing her specifically in Bridesmaids, that character, um, I, you know, I know that she, I know that some of the characters she plays, um, count as the clown you know yeah. I mean the, the character in Bridesmaids is it's not flattering definitely but, not <laughs> yeah but you but she as a businesswoman and an actress I mean she she has cast herself and written roles for herself like spy where she's the lead in a spy mm-hmm. film you know or she's got a superhero movie coming out she's right. And she commands so much attention on screen. She is so funny. And, you know, yes, she has worked within the tropes and the system, I think, for her yeah. own success. But, like, you know what? Melissa McCarthy walked or, or ran so we could fly. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I used scenes from Bridesmaids, actually, for my graduate school showcase. My oh. <laughs> I, just... <laughs> I just saw it for the first time recently. And, really? Um... Yeah, um, I I finally just saw it during quarantine. My boyfriend found out I hadn't seen it, and he was like, no way, you have to see this. So we watched it, and I mean, the Melissa McCarthy character struck me in two ways. Like, it was kind of, like, very mixed. So what I got out of it was, first of all, the sexually aggressive fat woman trope. Also, Miss Piggy a little bit. Yeah. That one hurts me, I have to yeah. say. That one is hard for me because I feel like the implication is fat women can't get any unless they like basically entrap men into having sex with them um and that's also really gross and then also yeah. like the masculinity thing was hard for me too because I, I i'm happy to see like more fat women who don't conform to femininity but also like there is definitely something in femininity being stripped from fat women and also then mm-hmm. they're not portrayed as queer or butch they're just masculine mm-hmm. so I would genderless, to, sexless. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's not sexless though, which is, which is yeah. great. And there should be more portrayals of, you know, sexual fat women. Um, it's just so aggressive that it hurts me yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I feel that way with a lot of, um, a lot of fat representations that either it's like, LOL, haha, this could never really happen. Yeah, or how funny like, that this, this right, woman right, wants that to get dares to to want to get to have sex. Um, yeah. Which is also another thing that Big Girl does such a great job of addressing. Thank you. Um, I'm so glad. Yeah, for sure. Because it's like a character who's empowered and who's sexual and who writes about sex, but she's not like forcing herself on people. It's not aggressive. It's just like a normal human with sexuality. Yeah. Uh, and why is that so rare? Like I can't, I can only think of a couple other examples of that in media. Um and if you're listening and you want to go check them out, those are Shrill, My Mad Fat Diary, and you know, Dumplin', maybe? I don't know. That's yeah. pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, that was very important to me from the get-go um, to make big to make the, the lead and big girl sexy and date and it not be a thing. Yeah. To go on a date and it not be, you know... Yeah, it's clear that it's coming from outside, like all the fat, you know, bias and yes. fat phobia is coming from outside of her. And she's kind of like the straight man in this world that like seeing it through that character's eyes to me really was like, oh, my God, it's absurd how we Thank treat you. fat people. Yeah. yeah, I really wanted it to have. And actually, a lot of my work has an Alice in Wonderland quality, Stranger in a Strange Land. Oh, yeah, is- I definitely got that from Big Girl. Thank you. Just, I think that's been my experience living in the world. I think certainly in this body and just me and my personality, but I just feel, 
I have, I think that being fat gives you a feeling of alienation from For society. Sure. And I wanted big girl. I wanted uh, the, the lead's name in big girls, Katie. I wanted Katie to, like you said, be the straight man in a, a circus of absurdity around her, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I think that being treated that way, and being in the world as an outsider gives you a lens through which to examine it and the space to examine it and really see how absurd these things are. And, like, I've always questioned, like, and you know, dating norms and relationship norms and heteronormativity because I felt that mm. that was denied to me as a fat person. And I've always, like, I feel like I had, like, the kind of leverage to question that because I felt so apart from it. And then also, of course, like, diet culture and you know, all the different mm-hmm. stigmas, all the healthism stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And in that way, I mean, it's important, I think, to think about how these things that kind of make our lives harder are sometimes also gifts. Absolutely. I think that the thing, whatever somebody's thing is, uh, yeah. really can be your superpower. Yeah. You know, truly, I I'll say that my career as an actor has really gained steam since I embraced my size unapologetically and fully and have really been working on loving myself and accepting myself. That is when things took off for me professionally. Yeah, but you got more in your body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got more in my body. <laughs> I wasn't a floating head anymore, whatever that means. Oh my god, I uh, totally got told that too. Yeah. Ugh, anyway, um, <laughs> I I think that you know whatever somebody's thing is, if yeah, they, any way you're marginalized, any way you're marginalized, if you can embrace it and recognize that it's a two sided coin. And if you embrace your own vulnerability around it, it can become your your superpower, I think. And that doesn't erase all the hard things about it. No, of like course people not. People are still going to make comments and still be racist and sexist and homophobic and fatphobic, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's good to find some kind of silver lining. Um. Let's see. Do you have any any other representations or fat characters that had big impacts on you? Yeah. Do you know it's not a character, but um, Margaret Cho. Oh my god, I love her. <laughs> uh, have you watched her special? I'm the one that I want. No, but oh. I, I watched all of Drop Dead Diva, so that's like where I know her from. Yes. Well, girlfriend, let me let, welcome. Let me recommend to you her stand-up special, I'm the One That I Want. Um, At the time, you know, Margaret Cho is not a fat woman. Uh, At the time, her body was curvier than Hollywood might want a woman's body to be Mm -hmm. in media. Um, And it is absolutely one of the, her stand-up, I've seen her live several times, I worship her. Margaret Cho blew my mind as I think I the first time I saw it was in college mm-hmm. and I was a young woman having moved from the south to you know New England and um it blew my mind in in her the way that she talks about sexuality and her body yeah um and yeah she she liberated me she definitely planted yeah. seeds for me that's a great for one sure. yeah so Margaret Cho Again, you have the sexuality thing, and it's a way that some some yeah. people find positive and others uh, may not. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody is different. For me personally, I have um, the way that I think that I have dealt with uh, the messaging around living in a bigger body yeah. is certainly like to to fight against it. And, you know, I have always put in a lot of effort to putting on makeup and doing my hair and dressing, mm-hmm. uh, dressing nice and owning my sexuality. I show off my cleavage all the time. You know, <laughs> I, um, even, even in the days when, before I had discovered body positivity, I made an effort to look good because I was not going to be, my sexuality was not going to be stripped from me because of my size. I mean, That's that was amazing. Something- that was something that that's something that's always been important to me. So yeah, 
And that also definitely comes through in your show. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never finished my thought about Melissa McCarthy and Bridesmaids. Yes, yes, um, please. The the thing that I did like about it was that um, a lot of the jokes were not directly at the expense of her size. Right. For example, when she takes the puppies home after the um, <laughs> bridal shower. Nine is a lot. <laughs> It's a lot of energy. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like you know the initial gag was kind of like was kind of anti-fat, but then like there was also this kind of like gentle giant trope that yes. came through, which I really enjoyed, and um, just that she was strong and like yep. athletic, um, yep. or or like you know could move. Like that was also a big deal. Um, we've talked about that a few times on this podcast, where it's like there are actually a surprising amount of fat people in movies and TV who are athletic or acrobatic and who like really yeah. can move. Um, and sometimes it's used as a gag and sometimes it's used as like, oh, gasp, a fat person can do a somersault. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'm noticing that more and more as I start to look for it. And I think it was definitely there in Bridesmaids. Yeah. I just thought, I mean, I completely agree with you that in many ways that role is problematic. But at the time, I mean, that movie came out, I think, in what, 2013, 2014? Something like that, yeah. Um, and at the time, it, for me, as a young performer, I think it must have been 2012. But anyway, anyway, yeah. uh, as a young performer coming out of an acting program, Mm -hmm. And seeing this woman do that, get nominated for an Oscar for it, you know, it really, really blew my mind. And, you know, yeah, I think that the gentle giant trope is definitely more appealing in, you know, in that character. And then it turns out that, like, she's like a dark horse. She's a member of the CIA. You right, know? right, right. Um, and then I don't know if you know this. So, of course, her background, Melissa's background is um, in improv. And she based that character off of Guy Fieri. Did you know oh, that? Oh, I did not know that. That's watch so it. interesting. It is so funny. Oh if you God. watch it again. Like oh, Guy Fieri outfit. is totally fat representation. <laughs> yeah. Listen, people make fun of him, but I think Guy Fieri is a wonderful human being. He's an icon. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he gives to charity and he's just, he's a, I love Guy Fieri. And so mm -hmm. she based that character on him. So like her clothes. And if you watch it again and watch her performance with that in mind, it totally, it's, it's so funny. That is it's so, so interesting. Yeah. It's something yeah. I don't think that I would have appreciated had I seen it in 2014 when I was was like just kind of uh I was like a senior in high school and yeah it probably would have like rubbed me the wrong way especially the hypersexual stuff mm. um because like you know I I just felt like a lot of the like kind of body positive representation was like very sexuality focused mm -hmm. um which uh can be good or can be to me sometimes a little annoying because it's like it feels like well either it's used for shock value or disgust or it's like yeah. having to prove your worth that men still like you therefore you know what i mean like all about yeah. that base feminism is what i call it yeah, oh my god i love that i'm gonna start yeah. using that that's very <laughs> <Please> funny <do. laughs> yeah yeah but there's like it's it's really interesting i think for plus size women like sexuality or lack thereof is always so present in so many ways like whatever the trope is i i think that often it is defined by hypersexuality or complete lack thereof absolutely i think because we do not fit the standards of beauty and desirability yeah that exist within society and i think that you know men meaning the patriarchy mm -hmm. don't know what the hell to do with us definitely do you know what i mean yeah, and that's hence fat people being cast as mothers and grandmothers because that's the right. only other place they see a woman. And it makes me, it makes it so clear to me just like how much of women's worth is supposedly based on their desirability to men. Yeah. It just to me throws the patriarchy into like very sharp definition. Yeah, absolutely. Our our value is entirely our value, not really, but in within this yeah you know paradigm that we're talking about for sure is entirely 
based on how fuckable they consider us to be. 100%. Yeah. And so then so much of the body positivity movement sometimes becomes, no, we're still fuckable. But it's like, no, it's so much more than that. Yes. Yeah. It's so funny. My body positive journey, let's call it. Mm -hmm. definitely i it's like i and i still i so you know how they how there's this conversation about body love versus body neutrality yes right i am still in the place where i want to say no i am beautiful (laughs) yeah my body i haven't gotten to the place where it's like i think it's i and i think it's okay i think it's okay to want to feel beautiful quote unquote even though being beautiful should not um determine somebody's entire self-value absolutely for me personally where i am i still want to feel beautiful you know right (laughs) you know what i mean i mean i want to feel beautiful but it's like it's not always achievable and that's true and like i have to hold space for that you know what i mean like i don't love my body i mean i maybe sometimes but like it's not like a it's i don't like wake up in the morning and be like wow i love my body yeah Um, and i don't think i have to be to talk about this to fight for better fat representation and liberation and acceptance that's Um, true i just don't think that it's a requirement like it's awesome if you if you do and you can go go forth and conquer the world yeah um but i think that the conversation gets so wrapped up in that and then because of that that is a lot of what enables thinner women to sort of take over the body positivity movement and say things like I'm body positive as long as you're not fat oh god I can't it just a lot of a lot of TikTok drama going down with this these days (laughs) I'm glad that I'm really too old to even participate (laughs) in TikTok I occasionally enjoy well I have a friend who sends them to me sometimes Mm -hmm. some funny ones but I can't I the thin women co-opting body positivity thing I oh I think I <laughs> I recently, well, not recently, within the past ye- couple of years, I posted a tweet. I retweeted something about that, and it showed up on my Facebook. And this woman who'd been following me commented on it defensively because she was a survivor of eating disorders. She's a thin woman. And she's like, body positivity saved my life. And it's like, that's great. But stay in your own lane. Like it's yeah. for that body positivity is for fat people. Yeah. And everybody benefits from it no matter what. It's just like yes. when you center yourself and then push the fat people yes. out. And especially when that's explicit, because like we should not gatekeep loving your body. But like no. when you make the movement about that and ignore the actual oppression that people in larger bodies face. Yes. Yeah. It's like the whole point is to see bodies that see some body diversity in media right like if you say i'm body positive but you like look like everybody else that we see on television it's not that doesn't jive with me yeah um you know and she got into this argument with me like through comments which i just like and i tried to explain to her like you can walk into any clothing store you want to and find something in your size and then, you know, she she hit me back with, well, it's more than about clothes to me. And it's like, that's why you don't get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's it frustrates me. It frustrates me a lot. Yeah. People are like into the kind of spiritual element of it and they don't want to talk about the actual concrete things. Yeah. The like, day-to-day reality of living mm-hmm. in a body that does not fit into society. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not even big enough to experience some of the some of the things. Like, I've never been kicked off a plane. I've uh, oh god, me neither. You know. God, can you imagine <laughs> that would be my yeah. worst nightmare? Something like that. Oh, happening. me too. All right, so it is now time for cast me cowards, uh, which is where you tell me one non traditional quote unquote mm. uh, dream role that you should play. Um, I would love to play Blanche Dubois in Streetcar Named Desire. I love that so much. It's like the opposite of what I am. You know, she's supposed to be very tiny and very, but that role I think is so interesting and so good. And I love that play. And yeah, Mm -hmm. 
I would love to play Blanche. That's amazing. I also think it's a case where having a fat person play this character who's like so kind of fragile. Yeah. Starring to audiences in a way that would be like really interesting. I agree. I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like to see to see the underbelly and to see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just, I think, I would love to dive into that play sometime. Oh, amazing. Um, So, uh, last kind of representation question. So, as a writer, what are issues you see with fat representation in terms of, like, breakdown scripts? And do you have any guidelines for people who are listening to this who might be creators to write better fat characters? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, honestly, within the industry the breakdowns are always awful. I mean, I, you know, one of the very, one of the first auditions, I think, well, yeah, I talked about this, the hot dog girl, her (laughs) entire name in the breakdown was chubby girl. Right. Um, I think like any character you're writing, if you are not a person of size, I think you should ask why is this character fat? Yeah. Is it a sight gag? Is it like what I think, I think the first thing is to investigate why you're writing a character who is big. Yeah. Um, And is it for a genuine and uh, um, what is the word I'm thinking of? A genuine reason or are they the butt of the joke? Um, And I would think, I would think about in writing fat characters um, to maybe, to maybe, uh, fight against these tropes that we always see the stupid fat person oh yeah the the sexually yeah desperate sexually aggressive fat person or the villain you know the and listen love ursula Mm -hmm. but she is in and of herself a trope right from little mermaid yeah um maybe to to uh write a fat person realistically you know um that's what i would say that's a fantastic answer. Is there oh, anything else? <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that you wish people would do to combat fat phobia in the arts? Um, cast fat people in lead roles. Mm. It would be so great to just see a, a big person play and just just w- with no comment on their size. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. I think the really revolutionary thing to do would be, and it's something that I might be working on right now, Ooh. would be to write a show with a fat lead and their fatness has absolutely no consequence on the plot or the story. They're just big. Yeah. That's, that's what I would like to see more of in media and on stage. I love that. Yeah. And uh, I think everybody already knows that you're literally doing that and uh, <laughs> <laughs> working on it. <laughs> no, that's what you're doing to combat fat phobia. So uh, where can we find Big Girl one more time? One more time. March 29th, you can find Big Girl on the streaming platform called Sika TV. That's S-E-E-K-A TV. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a platform entirely for um, web series, actually. Um, wow. And there's no subscription or paywall. Uh, there are no ads. It's great. It's great for creators and it's great for its audience. Um, <clears throat> you can watch the show right from the website. Um, I think there's an app you could also put on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a great site. So yeah, March 29th, the first episode of Big Girl Drops, the pilot on Sika TV. And then every Monday after that for the next five weeks. Amazing. And do you have anything else to plug or that you want to leave us with your social media, etc.? Uh, sure. You could follow Big Girl. Um, our our handle is at Big Girl Show. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and let's see. I mean, big thanks to, I don't know, my cast, crew, producers. Um, we filmed at uh, Plus Brooklyn. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of our one of our locations. So everybody... All, all the plus-sized uh, people out there who like to shop for those kinds of clothes, um, check out Plus Brooklyn. Um, it's one of my favorite places in the city. 
uh, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, I hope everyone who's listening to this is going to go watch Big Girl right away. You definitely thank should. You. It's I would totally put it in the camp with like Shrill or My Mad Fat Diary. And like that's the level of fat representation, i.e. the best there is that, that <laughs> there is. So go watch it. <laughs> Thank you so, so much uh, for having me, Abby. This has been so fun. And I'm so happy and excited for you, too. This is such a great Thank thing you. that you're doing. It's awesome. I'm so excited. I think that all the all the plus-size folks in the arts need to unite. So here we are. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, best of luck with all of your projects and with Big Girl being released. If you're listening to this, it came out today. Yay! Um, yep. <laughs> so have a great day you too thanks bye thank you so much for listening to more than tracy turnblad if you liked it hit subscribe and leave us a review and rating on apple podcasts that would be awesome also follow us on social media instagram twitter and tiktok all at more than tracy t and just tell your friends word of mouth is great too you can find more information at morethantracyturnblad.com.